coming up. On today's episode of Only the Penitential Pass podcast. And so, what is the point of the Assumption of Mary? It isn't just to take her someplace where she can be tucked safely away and kept from her enemies. No. Her Assumption is really a means to an end. Well, what is the end? It is her coronation. It is her queenship. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Only the Penitent Shall Pass podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth. As always, you can find us on the web at onlythepenitent.com. Today's episode, slightly controversial. Historically, the Roman Catholic Church has been separated from the Protestant churches over really one core issue, though there's been a few issues. It's really been over the subject of how we're saved, Protestants arguing from scripture that we are saved by faith alone. That is, it's our faith in Christ that justifies us before God. That the work of Christ on the cross covers the multiplicity of our sins. Roman Catholics have said, yes, our faith in Christ is a major component in our salvation, but also accompanying our faith in Christ has to be works, and those works also justify us. Now, historically, that doctrinal difference has been the major divide between Roman Catholics and Protestants. And if you flip the pages of theology books on the subject or even peruse the internet, eventually you will come to this issue of faith alone versus faith plus works. However, to the everyday person, this isn't really the major Uh, component of the divide between Protestants and Roman Catholics. For everyday Christians, it really comes down to Mary. Yeah, Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you talk to a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, a Protestant Christian, basically, and say, what do you think about Roman Catholicism? The typical evangelical Christian will say, well, don't they worship Mary? They pray to Mary. They treat Mary like she's a goddess. Roman Catholics don't see it that way. They have a different view on Mary. And that's the subject of today's episode. We've got a lot of audio clips lined up. And as we approach this somewhat controversial subject, we want to approach it with much grace, mercy. And so we're going to hear all sides of the topic. And without further ado, here's today's episode. So let's, at the onset, let's lay all the cards on the table. Let's look at the two major perspectives. Let's juxtapose the Protestant perspective of Mary versus the Roman Catholic perspective. Now, as we're about to listen to these audio clips, let's also remember there is a lot of divergent views on Mary within both Roman Catholicism and even within much of Protestantism. 
I know some Baptists, both laity and ministers, whose attitude is anyone who's a Roman Catholic is not a Christian. I know other Baptists who would refute that. I know some Roman Catholics <laughs> who believe that the only real Christians are in Roman Catholic churches. And then I know other Roman Catholics who, who would refute that. So I want to say that at the, at, the, at the very beginning of this episode, while we're going to listen to a number of different perspectives here, let's also be reticent of the reality that there's a lot of perspectives and we can't possibly give airtime to all of them in such a short, confined space. But we're going to listen to the most popular points of view. So as we begin our quest into digging deeper into the subject of Mary, the mother of Jesus, let's, let's first look at the Roman Catholic perspective. This is Professor Scott Hahn, widely regarded in Roman Catholic circles as a Bible teacher, historian, theologian, and more. Here's what he has to say about the subject of Mary's assumption. Now in Roman Catholic theology, they believed Mary was assumed into heaven, that she didn't actually physically die here on earth, but that the she was taken up into heaven, you know, floated into heaven, and they celebrate the assumption of Mary. Now that's something that Protestants do not uh, regard. We would. So here's Scott Hahn speaking on the subject. And so, what is the point of the assumption of Mary? It isn't just to take her someplace where she can be tucked safely away and kept from her enemies. No. Her assumption is really a means to an end. Well, what is the end? It is her coronation. It is her queenship. It is her function now, not only as the mother of Christ, as we read in Scripture, especially in Luke 1, but the mother of all of the children of God, as we read in Revelation 12, 17. She is the mother to, uh, for all of those who keep the commandments of God. So when we look at the Assumption on August 15th, and we see how it is ordered to the coronation and the feast of Mary's queenship, we recognize that, yes, she's our mother, and so she is closer to us than we are to ourselves, but she's also a queen mother. So in addition to the familiarity and the closeness and the intimacy that we have with the spiritual mother in the order of grace, we also recognize her dignity, her royalty, and the fact that she possesses, by the fullness of grace that was given to her, a fullness of royal power that she is now wielding uh, as the mother of mercy, as the queen mother of the son of David. So I'm going to jump in there a little abruptly, but uh, I didn't want to get too far from the main points Scott Hahn was making there. Uh, he laid it out with good passion. You know, Roman Catholics not only refer to Mary as the mother of God, but they also refer to her as the queen of heaven. And they see her in scriptures that Protestants don't necessarily see her in. For instance, he referenced Revelations chapter 12, verse 17. The verse is rather innocuous. The verse says, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And for Scott Hahn, the woman there is Mary. And the offspring are all those who believe in Jesus. 
Now, there's a reason Mary has such a primacy. There's, a, there's actually multiple reasons. But we want to look at one reason, perhaps, that Roman Catholics place such a high emphasis on Mary being the Queen of Heaven. And, you know, they believe in this assumption of Mary where she, she ascended into Heaven to sit on a throne next to Jesus, which they, that's a historical tradition that Roman Catholicism has passed down. It's not in Scripture. And so here's W. Robert Godfrey speaking at Ligonier Ministries, and here's a reform perspective on why Roman Catholics give so much emphasis on Mary being this high queen of heaven. The story was told in the Middle Ages that when Mary came into heaven, Jesus greeted her and said, Oh, Mother, I'm so glad you're here. I will divide my kingdom with you. And I will be the king of righteousness, and you will be the queen of mercy. And, and that expressed the attitude, you see. Somehow Jesus was holy. Jesus was exalted. Jesus was unapproachable. But Mary, she understands. She's sympathetic. She's approachable. She'll carry our burdens to the Son. And some of the theologians have said, a part of this reflects a failure to understand um, the real character of Jesus. Because part of this said, you know, Jesus can't fully understand us because he's divine. Jesus may be true man, but he's not purely human. He's not simply human. And Mary is purely human. Now, to, to make that distinction is to misunderstand the, nation, the, the nature of Jesus' incarnation. It's to misunderstand that he really was a human being, and he understands us from his humanity as well as any human being could conceivably understand us. But, but that's what creeps in, I think, that somehow Jesus divinity has contaminated his humanity so he can't really understand us and we need Mary because she really she really understands us that's what the Roman Catholic believes that Mary can relate to us better because she was fully human and Jesus wasn't well Obviously, that would be an error. Jesus was fully human. That's the whole theology of Reformed theology, of Protestant theology. It's technically the theology of Roman Catholic theology. They, too, believe he was fully human. Jesus can relate to us. When I was a young person, I didn't understand. I didn't understand, well, why would I need to pray to Mary? Let's say I can if I can pray directly to Jesus, why would I pray to Mary? Roman Catholics have a response to that. Here's Roman Catholic priest, Father Larry King of St. Patrick's Church in Portland. He says, First of all, let me say very clearly that we don't worship Mary. We honor Mary. Jesus is the one that we worship. Mary is the one we honor. And it's perfectly uh, appropriate that we do that as well as, as uh, the saints. 
because they are guides, they are helpers to us on our faith journeys. And so it's appropriate to ask them for help. I mean, they've, especially, you know, the, the Mary and any of the saints, they've gone through this life and they know the struggles, they know the challenges, and they know that they also know the temptations. And uh, we ask them for assistance on our faith journeys. And why would we not want to have this connection with them? They are part of, as we are, part of the communion of saints. They're just on the other side of life. So, you know, to ask them for help, it's like, just like talking to them. And even those that are not part of the official calendar of saints in the, in the, in the church are their loved ones that have died and led good lives. You know, we continue to have that relationship with them. We can talk to them, ask them for, for help, for insights. And even though they're not going to be talking back to us normally, the, uh, they do inspire us. So, Well, I definitely agree with him that the saints inspire us, inspire me. I mean, great Christians, men and women throughout the past have been people that I've looked up to in times of trouble and I've remembered them and their lives and and the decisions and choices they made and how they overcame hurdles and I appreciate that he said that they're not worshiping them but they're just honoring them it does leave more questions though because how do they know the saints are hearing them for instance, he says that not only can we pray to the canonical saints, the saints that the church has canonized, we can also pray to saints' relatives that have died, that are friends of ours, perhaps our grandfather, our parents. He says, oh, we can pray to them too. How do we know they can hear us is, is something I've always questioned. I don't understand and without being disrespectful how do we know these saints are in heaven what if they're in hell scripture is pretty clear that there's going to be people that they appeared to be saints but they really didn't have the Holy Spirit they didn't have faith in Christ they were fraudsters they were imposters they were wolves in sheep's clothing but let's continue to hear a defense of this Roman Catholic view because I don't want to treat this view unfairly. I want to give it a full reckoning. And so here's a Father Nixon, popular Roman Catholic speaker. The question, where would you be without your mother? And the same question is one that Jesus answers in his humanity that he, he wouldn't ha have his humanity. That Mary is the mother of God, not because we think that Mary gives birth to the Godhead, that she's some sort of, of goddess out there in the sky, but that God truly became man. So the one that was born of Mary is truly said to be God. And so with that in mind, everything when we talk about Mary, Mary as, as one that intercedes on our behalf, that's not because she's a, a, the fourth person of the Blessed Trinity. That's because she's someone who is especially close to God. Actually, no human person has ever been closer to God than Mary. So 
So just like you have friends that you say, hey, I'm going through this struggle and I know you're close to God. I know you pray. Can you pray for me? And many friends will say yes to that and they'll even maybe pray for you right there, which is a beautiful thing. That We believe that Mary is as close to God as anyone could possibly be, not only here on earth, but now that she's with God in heaven especially. So when we ask Mary, Mary, pray for us. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. We're saying that because we know that she is close to God and she intercedes on our behalf. And that she is, gives us a great example to not only as being the mother of Jesus, but also as a, being a disciple. So we've now heard from three different Roman Catholics, and they all refer to Mary as the mother of God. And that's a very common theme. And what's interesting here in that last clip is he mentions that praying to Mary is really no different than asking a friend to pray for us. It's like going to your your neighbor at church or your your own mom or dad and saying, hey, will you pray for me? I'm not feeling well. And he equivocates it with that, but he also has an addendum to that. Because if that's all it is, if all that praying to Mary and the saints is, is eh, it's like going to a friend and saying, hey, will you remember me in prayer when you pray? You know, that's not that offensive. Can we really know with certainty if the saints can hear us? Not necessarily, but I don't know that it's something I would take on bridge with. But he adds that addendum to it, the same as Scott Hahn adds, that it's actually more than that, that Mary's interceding for us, they say. As Scott Hahn pointed out, they believe Mary's the queen of heaven, that she's sitting on a, a throne. And I want to navigate this subject carefully because I don't want to disrespect Mary. I think that's one of the problems within Protestantism is too many Baptists that I've heard speak about this. Maybe they take it a little too far and they, they end up disrespecting Mary. And we shouldn't do that. We should definitely honor her. Scripture's clear about that. We should honor Mary for for the humility she displayed and the faith she displayed towards Christ, towards God. But is Mary really interceding for us? Is she really sitting on a throne? Is she really the queen of heaven? Those are difficult to swallow if you're not a Roman Catholic. If you're a Baptist, this isn't a difficult pill to swallow. This is outright heresy. Here's Baptist theologian John MacArthur. Um, probably mm, over 50% of the people in our church through the years have come to Christ, have come out of Roman Catholicism uh, because we have a, a large Hispanic and Asian uh, population in Los Angeles uh, with Catholic backgrounds. So we're very used to seeing people liberated from that. But one of the other things that is uh, tragic about that view of praying to the saints and to Mary is that it strikes a blow against the gracious character of God and Christ. The idea of all of that is that God is very tough and He's uh, wrathful and, uh, and, and somewhat transcendent rather than imminent. Um, and you don't really want to go directly to God, which of course flies in the face of what Scripture says, that God is compassionate and, and marked by loving kindness and shows mercy to thousands and is tender-hearted and weeps through the eyes of Jeremiah. And, 
And the same would be true of Christ. But the idea is you, you don't want to go directly to God because, you know, he's, he's preoccupied and he's somewhat indifferent and transcendent. And you don't really want to go to Jesus because he can be pretty tough as well, but, but Jesus can't resist his mother and God can't resist Jesus. So that's the chain. Uh, you, you go to Mary because, you know, Mary can soften up Jesus and then Jesus can take it to the Father. The, the assault that that is on the saving nature of God, God who is by nature a Savior uh, and full of compassion and mercy towards sinners, can be pled with directly. This layering uh, that, that assumes that God's less than gracious, merciful, kind, and compassionate, sympathetic to the sinner is a blow against his nature and the nature of Christ as well. So you see, MacArthur the Baptist picks up on what Godfrey, uh, the Reformed theologian, says as well, that Mary for the Roman Catholics softens God's character somehow it allows the Roman Catholic to go to Mary who's gentle and peaceful and calm whereas Jesus is somehow hardened and unapproachable me not having grown up Roman Catholic I, I never thought of Jesus that way I never thought of him being unapproachable in fact I saw it as quite the opposite I thought man He's so loving and laid back. There's the text of scripture where they bring little children to Jesus and the disciples say, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't bother him, him with these little children. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Suffer not that the children come unto me. He's like, bring them to me. I want to bless them. I want to hold them. Jesus is approachable. He is loving and forgiving to those who put their faith in him, who trust in him. And as a kid, it didn't make any sense to me. Why pray to Mary if I can pray to Jesus? Now, I want to give the Roman Catholics their due respect. I have gone to parents friends, relatives, people in church, and said, hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray for this issue that's going on in my life or my family? And so the Roman Catholics said, could say, aha, well, there you go. That's all that we're doing. All that we're doing is we're going to Mary or we're going to the saints in the same way that you went to a friend or family member. Here's Tim Staples. He grew up Protestant, converted to Roman Catholicism. Here's how he came to see this issue. One of the things that really bugged me about you knuckleheaded Catholics praying to saints, one of the things that really bugged me the most is I, I used to say two things. Number one, if, if you're praying to saints, how can they hear you? I, let, let's take Mary. If you got a billion people praying to Mary at the same time, how could she hear all billion of them at the same time? You guys are making a goddess out of her. She would have to be God to be able to hear. I know I can't even keep my desk straight at my office. How could she hear a billion prayers at the same time? Or, or even better, not only the time thing at the same time, but how about this? Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 20. You know what it says? Only God knows the hearts of the children of men. 
Only God knows. So what if you're praying to Mary and you don't even move your lips? <laughs> she can't even read your lips. You're praying. <laughs> How can she know what's in your heart? Right? Well, you know what? On one level, it was really simple. You know why we believe it? Because the Bible says so. Right? Isn't that great? You as Catholics can say that to your Bible-believing Christian friend. You know why we Because the Bible says so. Revelation chapter 5 says, each one of them, these saints in heaven, these elders in heaven, each one of them has or is receiving the incense, which are the prayers, that's plural, of the saints, that's plural. So in other words, each one of them is receiving multiple prayers from multiple saints coming up from the earth, and they take them to God. And by the way, if you go to Revelation 8, verses 3 through 5, you'll find the angels are doing the same thing. Just three chapters later, the angels are doing the same thing, taking the prayers of the saints to God. And the result is, look at verse 5, thunder and lightning strikes at the earth as a result. Now, this is symbolic for God responding to those prayers, and it affects the earth. Now, when you hear great speakers like that, it it's like, wow, okay, well, it sounds like an open and shut case. The Bible seems to say that the saints hear our prayers. Well, I don't know. Let's reread Revelation chapter 5, which Tim Staples read there. Starting in verse 8, which is where he began. And when he had taken the scroll... The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So that's it. And from that verse, Staples is saying, well, since these elders or these saints that are in heaven are holding a bowl and each of the bowls have the prayers of the saints in them which are an incense a sweet aroma unto god that must mean the saints heard the prayers took those prayers and then brought them before god revelations is a difficult book <laughs> it's a book with a lot of imagery a lot of metaphor and any good theologian has to ultimately admit that revelations is a difficult book to formulate didactic theology meaning if the verse explicitly says there's a dragon it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a physical looking dragon. The dragon could be a metaphor for something else. And that's all over the book of Revelation. We explicitly believe what the Bible teaches, but we have to acknowledge that some things are metaphors, some things are poetry, some things are meant to convey a deeper meaning than the simple word you might read in the text. In Matthew chapter 1, it's the core text regarding Mary 
and the birth of Christ or the conception of Christ via the Holy Spirit. In verse 35, the angel Gabriel says to Mary that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now Mary goes and meets with her cousin Elizabeth and they're both filled with the Holy Spirit and through Mary the Holy Spirit speaks. And this song of praise that, may, that the Holy Spirit sings through Mary has been called the Magnificat. And Mary says in verse 47, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now that's the key verse. All generations will call Mary blessed. And that's one of the things that the Roman Catholics have against Protestants. Do you call Mary blessed? Do you disrespect her? Or do you honor her? And I think many Protestants have been guilty of not honoring her properly. But are the Roman Catholics right? That this honor that we that we are told through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through the words of Mary, is is this honor a requirement by us as Christians to therefore believe that Mary is sitting on a throne next to Christ? Well, that's going to be the subject of the next podcast. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of today's episode. So join us for episode two in this series on Mary, where we go back 1,700 years to the time of Constantine. And we peel back the layers of the history of Mary. How did we get to where we are now? That's next time, and only the penitent shall pass podcast. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.